Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. You know, we've done a series all month of January, plus this first week of February, on um, the written Word of God. It is uh, literally that we would have a hunger for and an appetite for the Word of God. And I promise you, if you will do that, there's a blessing in your life like you've never imagined. Um, because, it's the, because it's not about knowing the Bible. It's knowing about the one who wrote the Bible. It's about knowing the one who wrote the Bible. Amen? Listen, you know, I, Ben and Lindsay did a great job on the, on, the, on the video, but can I just ask you to pray for Ben? I mean, you heard what he said in that video, right? Whatever you say. Just telling you. I was talking to Lindsay at the Clay Cup the other day, and she told me Ben was on some kind of diet where he wasn't eating any sugar or dairy. To which I'm just like, why? Why? <laughs> like, did you see his poor face up there? I mean, he's wasting away to nothing. <laughs> I just like harassing them. The Word of God, man, I'm telling you something. You've you got to get into it. You've got to get into the Word of God if you're not. You've got to. It's so important in your life. We've done this. We did a message. Uh, Peter did a message a couple weeks ago, praying the Word of God. How can you pray the Word of God if you don't know the Word of God? We talked one of the first weeks about why it was written. How many know the Bible was actually written to reveal Jesus to us? It wasn't so that we would know the Bible. It's so we know Jesus. From cover to cover, it was always to reveal Jesus Christ. And then Jesus comes, and, and the Bible says that God spoke to us in the last days by his Son. By his Son. By Jesus. All right? And, and so now we have these scriptures that become part of our life, that, that bring blessing into our life. And last week, I took you through a, uh, about hearing the Word of God. And let me say this to you about hearing the Word of God. It is incredibly important that you learn to hear the Word of God because how many of you know that the writers of the Bible wrote the Bible because they heard the voice of God? You can't write what you don't hear. Now, how many know God still speaks today? He does. He still speaks to individuals. He still speaks to people. And when he speaks, how aren't you glad that we have the scriptures that actually can confirm what he wrote? All right, and then last week I gave you some principles for hearing the word of God. And we got to the end of it. The last point of it was to move in faith. How many know if you don't move in faith when you hear or read the word of God, it becomes void in your life? Huh. Okay, you don't, I, I can tell there are some that are not sure they believe me. All right, so I'm going to give you the first scripture that we're going to talk about. All right, Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2 says this. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. So the writer of Hebrews says, they heard the word of God. Who's he talking about? I'm going to take you there in a few moments and show you who the writer's talking about. But what he says is, what they heard did not profit them because they did not combine it with faith. All right, let me say something this morning. It is good to have Pastor Brian Sandell here this morning. Hey, man, wave, man. It, it just, we just want to honor you, man. This is a pastor of Second Avenue United Methodist Church, has a day off. He and his wife are here. Man, we love you. We love what you guys are doing down there. You know, they send kids to refuge, and they have a great program down there called The Rock. Give them a hand. Welcome him today. 
There is a great vibe in the city among churches and pastors. There is an incredible great vibe. We speak blessing over each other. There's, these guys get to play. I don't go and pray every Sunday morning like they do. They're more spiritual than me. I, I told them a long time ago. I said, guys, do it. I won't be there. Sunday morning, I got a routine. It's me and God since 5.30 in the morning until I'm ready to go to church. And um, so that's just my routine. But there's a great vibe in the city. So let's get into this word. I got a lot to say in a little bit of time. So the writer says that that word, God's word, did not profit them. How many know it's actually possible for the word of God not to profit you? It is actually possible for the word of God not to profit you because if you don't combine it with faith, it's, no, uh, it's just no benefit to you. It, 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 that word, united, means to mix together, to cause several parts to come into an organic structure. Like about, How many know all of a sudden you take the word of God, you take faith, and it becomes alive? You take the word of God, you take faith, you combine it, and now you have something that is actually alive. Faith, let's give a definition this morning. Conviction of truth, all right? It is generally with this included idea of trust and holy fervor. Now, let me take you this morning back, if I can, all right? I'm going to take you back to the occasion that this writer of Hebrews was pointing to. You can go if you want to, turn to Numbers chapter 13, Numbers chapter 13, when the people of God who had come out of Egypt were getting ready to cross over into the promised land. Okay, that's kind of the occasion. Now, let me talk a little bit about faith while you're turning there. Faith is the tool that takes the word of God, which you read and you hear, that joins it to your life in order to produce the benefit that God intended. It is that thing that God wants to take the word of God and apply it to our situation. Faith is the written, faith in the written is faith in the author. Let me tell you why I have faith in the written. Because I have faith in the author. There, there's some books I pick up that I wouldn't have faith in because I don't have faith in who the author is. But the scriptures, I have faith in the one who wrote it. Faith in the written will bring you to a goal of what the writer intended. Faith in the written will bear fruit that the writer intended. How many of you have ever followed the instructions in putting something together? How many of you like to look at the picture and try to do it? Yeah, I like that. How many of you know there's usually hidden things from the picture? Right? But if you take the instructions, generally speaking, and you follow the instructions and you have faith in the one who wrote the instructions, how many of you know you will typically get what was intended to be built? Word of God. God wrote it for a purpose. And when we follow the word of God, it generally will bring us to the purpose for which he wrote it. All right? Failure to act upon the written is failure to have faith in the writer. Okay? Now, let's talk about this for a moment. So, so this, this faith takes us and brings us to a place where we can take what God said or God wrote and put it into actions. Now, in Numbers chapter 13, the people of God had come to the Jordan River. They had come to the place where they're ready to enter into the promised land. And Moses has an idea from God, okay? Listen to what he says in verse uh, 1 of 13. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the children of Israel from each tribe of their fathers. You shall send a man, every one a leader among them. And then it goes through, and it lists all the different men who they sent from the different tribes. So they sent 10 men. Now, look what Moses then says. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go up to the Negev. And into the hill country, watch this, see what the land is like and whether the people there are strong or weak, few or many. 
What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? Can I just stop there for a moment? It's kind of interesting. Moses sends 12 men in to spy out the land that God had promised. And one of the things he says to them is, find out if the land is good or bad. Hmm. How many of you know God already said it was good? God already said it was good. It's interesting to me. You know, why would you search to see if the land is good or bad when God already stated it was good? And sometimes whenever you find yourself looking to verify what God has said, how many know sometimes you end up talking yourself out of what God has said? When you spend too much time sometimes trying to verify what God said, all of a sudden you find yourself in a way that you don't verify what God said and you actually walk opposite of what God said. All right? Anyhow, that's another message for another day. He goes on. He said, what kind of towns do they live in? Are they walled or fortified? How's the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. Now, okay, so he sends out this search party. All right, and as I said, when you begin to search out what God has already started at truth, you may walk away with some falsehood. Now, watch this. They come back. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community, and they reported to them, and to the whole assembly, and they showed them the fruit of the land. So get this. They go in, they spy out the land, and they carry the fruit of the land. The Bible says they carry clusters of grapes on poles between two men. How many of that's a lot of stinking grapes? I'd like to see grapes like that. Okay? And there's what they said. They showed them the fruit, and they said to Moses, we went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's its fruit. Okay, great, right? Everybody's happy now. We're excited. What God said is true. And then they said this. But the people who live in the land are strong. And the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Amalek was living in the land of the Negev and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites. It's almost like you're hearing lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Right? And they said, we saw them all there. And then Caleb tells us a little bit later that he quieted the people. He said, we should by all means go up and take possession of it for we can overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go against the people for they're too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we've gone in spying out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And the people we saw in it are men of great size. A little bit later, they said, we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so were we in their sight. So get this. All right, let's go through this now. So here they are. They have a word from God. They had a word from God to go into this place, into this possession, the land of milk and honey, where it was good. They came back and agreed that the land was good. They had a word. They had proof that the word of God was true. How many know we have a proof that the word of God is true. How many of you have a historical context that God is good? We're talking to a group of people who had a historical context of the goodness of God. Think about it. They were delivered from Egypt. They were the manna, quail, all the different things that you can think about. Does your life have a historical context that's able to say God is good? They held in their hands the possession the evidence of the possession. They held it in their hands, the evidence that was true. They came back in agreement. 
the words from their mouth testified to the truth of God's promise. The fruit in their hand testified to the truth of God. How many know a testimony is both about what comes out of our word and what's in our hand? It's a word and it's fruit. Now, let me go on. We, we, we didn't even get into the slides yet. All right? Now, let me start here. So now, but we got a problem. It's all good. The promise is true. The problem is he sent 12 men. The problem is 10 of those men didn't have any faith. The problem is 10 of them were faithless men. And the problem is faithless people cannot obtain a faithful promise. How can I obtain the promises of God that come by faith when I operate in unbelief? It is amazing to me the amount of people that I meet, in my, and myself included sometimes, that are trying to obtain the faithful promises of God and yet do it in an unfaithful way. If God is faithful and his word is true, then the only thing that keeps us from it is being faithless. Moses sent 10 faithless men to search out a, faithless, a faithful promise. You see, it's interesting to me. Remember what they said? They come back and say, oh, the land is great. It's awesome. The fruit, look, here it is. It is a land of milk and honey. And then they said what? But. How many times have you said but in your life? How many times have you said but? You see, the problem is when you say but, right, it won't be long before you, say, you will say can't. When you take the word of God, you hear the word of God, and then all of a sudden you add a but to the word of God, it's not going to be very long you say it can't. You see, God was saying, I'm giving you this land. This is your land. You're going to possess it. I'm giving it to you. They came back, and they said what? It is what it's supposed to be. It is what God said it is. But we got a problem. And later on, you know what they said? We can't do it. But and can't almost always lead to won't. But and can't, a little pray on words here this morning. But and can't almost always lead to won't. When God's word is followed with but, we generally follow with we can't, therefore we won't. God never called them to go into the promised land on their own ability. God never called them to go into that land based upon their military strength, based upon their know-how, based upon their power, based upon their might. He only called them to go in there by faith in him and believing he was the one that would take them into that promised land. But they got to a place where they saw with their eyes rather than faith. And when they began to see with their eyes, they came up with a but that said we can't and now we won't. Think about that. How many times have we done that in our life? Give me, I'm, I'm gonna, okay, this is not a tithing message, but it's one of the ISIS illustrations. The Bible says we should give, amen? The Bible says, now I'm not gonna argue this morning, New Testament tithe, Old Testament tithe. I know what I believe. That's not the important issue at the moment. But what I am gonna say is the Bible's amply, amply sufficient for telling us how to be givers of our money, right? But, so we read the scriptures about money, but then somewhere we add a but. Well, yeah, God, I know I should be a generous giver, and I know the Lord gives a, generous, a cheerful giver, but you don't understand, God, I don't have enough money to give. Hello. Okay, <laughs> right? And so now you add the but, I can't afford it, therefore I can't, and now I won't. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
He sent 12 men, 10 faithless, two faithful. Because those faithless men had a problem. Their problem was that they believed more in the power of the enemy than they did the power of God. Okay? I got my slides a little bit out of it. They believed more in the power of the enemy than they did the power of God. The God who led them out of Egypt. The God that brought judgment upon Egypt. The God that brought the ten plagues upon Egypt. The God who provided a pillar of fire at night. The God who provided a cloud by day. The God who parted the Red Sea. The God who brought the manna. The God who brought the quail. The God who made the bitter water sweet. All of a sudden, that God was less powerful than that enemy. Think about it, man. In our life, how many times have we said, I, but, I can't. I won't because I don't believe. You're not, you're not, and listen to me, and you're not going to come out and vehemently say that. But in our heart, we don't trust that God is more powerful than what stands against us. Faithlessness said they're too powerful for us. They're stronger than us. They're bigger than us. Okay? And then watch what they did. It's interesting. You see, because let me tell you what faith doesn't do. Faith does not change the narrative. It acts upon the narrative. Okay? What do I mean by that? Well, watch what they did. They came out, and they came back, and they said, the land indeed is good. It does flow with milk and honey. It's awesome. And then, when they began, when Caleb spread the good report, they came back and said, the land devours those who live in it. wait a minute, didn't they just moments before say the land was good? Didn't they just moments before say it indeed was very good? But now, to combat a word of faith from somebody else, they changed the narrative. You can't change the narrative to suit your condition. You can't change the narrative. All of a sudden it was, oh, the land of ours. Listen to me this morning. Unbelief will cause you to change the narrative that God wrote. You cannot change the word of God. Unbelief will cause you to change his narrative. You can't change the narrative and walk in faith. When God writes the narrative, faith demands walking according to the narrative. It's amazing to me how we get to a place where unbelief will cause us to literally change the story. Let me, let me hurry on. Everybody said, please do, because we're going to go watch Mary Poppins tonight. Well, there's nothing, better, there's nothing better on. Just tell me. That's what I'm doing. We're having a, we're having a Mary Poppins party. Yeah, I'm not even going to mention their name. And now watch, and then they say this, and we became like grasshoppers in their eyes. And that's how they viewed us. Hello, did they meet them? Isn't it funny? They made an assumption of how they were sown by him, them. You see, faith will, faith 
will cause you to see yourself through God's word. Faithlessness will cause you to see yourself through yourself or through the enemy. Faith causes you to go to the word of God and see yourself as God sees you, not how others and the enemy sees you. If you don't see yourself through the word of God, you'll never know who you are in God. You'll never know who you are in Christ. Okay? Unbelief causes you to see yourself in a distorted manner. Unbelief will cause you to see yourself defeated. Unbelief will cause you to assess how the enemy sees you. All these things are happening because these are faithless men spreading a bad report about what God wanted to do. You see, because now, watch this. Watch what happens. That night, after they spread the bad report, that night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. And all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And they said, if only we had died in Egypt. Hello? Hmm. Or in the wilderness. Isn't it funny what faithlessness will do? Isn't it funny that these ten men without faith could cause such despair? You see, because the word of God inspires faith, faith then inspires hope. It's the word of God. Listen to me. There's times in my life where we have things going on, where we're doing things we believe God led us to do. And I'd like to tell you every time I've ever done one of these things, I've never had a moment of doubt for a minute. There's been moments of doubt. There's been moments of questioning. And then I get into the word of God and I get into the presence of God and I hear from him or I read his word. And guess what happens when I begin to read his word? All of a sudden, guess what happens? Faith begins to rise up inside of me. Hope begins to rise up inside of me. And we, we had a situation with Nehemiah this week, a little setback. And you know what I said? And I'm going to tell you what God told me, all right? And, and I looked at it and went, huh. I went back to the story of Gideon in my mind. It was like, yeah, okay. You see, Gideon went to battle against an enemy so numerous nobody could count them. He had 32,000 men. God said, you got too many for me to get the glory. All right? So what did he do? He took how many thousand, right? He took 22,000 away from him. Can you imagine being Gideon? Where'd they all go? And then God comes back and says, you still got too many men. Tell the ones who lap like dogs and the ones who drink, tell the ones that drink the water from the brook to go home. 9,700 go home. And he gets down to 300. But what God spoke to me this week was <laughs> victory was on the other side of 300, not on the other side of 32,000. And I said, I sent a text to Peter and Bethany and said, we're down to our 300, victory ahead. <laughs> we're down to our 300, victory ahead. Uh, let me go on. So now all of a sudden, watch this. So, so the problem is, the word of God inspires faith. Faith then inspires hope. But the problem is, unbelief in the word of God inspires despair. They spread a report that caused the people to weep aloud, to wail aloud, and want to go back to the past. Let me say this to you this morning. You will either be a voice of faith or a voice of unbelief. What are you? Which are you? Are you a voice of faith or are you a voice of unbelief? We mask it sometimes. Well, I'm just a realist. Oh, yeah? Really? My God changes reality. I have faith in spite of some realities I see. Don't hide behind that stuff. You will either be a purveyor of faith or faithlessness. Joshua and Caleb 
were purveyors of faith. They were voices of faith. The other 10 spread a bad report. And then they say, and then all of a sudden, I'm watching the scripture and I'm reading the scripture. And what do they say? We should go back to Egypt. Oh my goodness, how, de how devastating. Unbelief, because they could not, by faith, grasp the future. They could not, by faith, grasp that future that was ahead of them. Unbelief in the future will cause you to yearn for the past. They said, oh, we should go back to Egypt. Do you understand what was happening in Egypt? In Egypt, they were persecuted. They were beaten. Their children were being killed. And you want to go back to that? Isn't it amazing what fear will cause you to do? That fear was going to cause them to go backwards. Faith causes you to believe in the future. Faith causes you to believe for the future. Do you know why there's certain things I believe are going to happen? Because number one, I said, God, I believe God said it. Number two, if God said it, I believe there's a future that's going to bring it to pass. And now in the present, I've got to walk by faith. You know what the problem is? Some of you have no faith in the present because you've got no promise of the future. Ouch. Let's just watch this. They even rewrote the past. Isn't it funny that their unbelief and their inability to believe in the future caused them to redefine the past? Remember the one time in Numbers it says, oh, we remember life in Egypt. It was so good. We ate the leeks and the onions and the cucumbers and the meat. It was so good. They were slaves. They were slaves. They were in bondage. They were in oppression. And I want to say something to you today. Some of you, you sometimes, you, you, sometimes you, you make the past seem better than the present. Your past life in sin is never better than your present life in Christ. Never. It'll cause you to redefine. Fear caused by unbelief in the future will cause you to redefine the past. And then watch what they said. They said, our wives and children will be taken as plunder. It would be better for us to go back to Egypt. In the name of protecting their families, they were going to operate without faith. In the name of protecting their family, they were going to operate without faith. Faith will always protect your family better than unbelief. Faith will always protect your family better than unbelief. I'm going to go back to the money a minute. because Why am I saying the money? Because it's the most tangible thing we have sometimes. I can't afford the tithe because I won't be able to supply for my family. I bake you a bet. That's not true. I'll make you a bet. We're in church. We're not supposed to be betting. <laughs> I'll make you a bet that if you begin to tithe, you'll have more than enough for your family. And if you don't, Randy Bracken will pay the difference. <laughs> Just the first one I saw. Actually, actually, I would tell you what he would do. He, he would tell you he would do that. He would, he would say to you, go ahead, put God to the test. I'm that confident. 
I'm just telling you, and it, it's amazing to me. Let me ask you a question this morning. Let me just ask you this question. How many faithless things have we done in the name of protecting our family? Man, I, I, sat, I sat last night thinking about that. I, I think there's some things I've done in my life that I've done in the name of protecting my family. And it was faithless. Watch what happens. God comes to Moses at that point. He says, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs I have performed among them? How long are they going to treat me with contempt? Listen to me. See this this morning. See this. Unbelief is contempt for God. Unbelief is contempt for God and his word. I didn't write it. God did. Now listen to me. You have to understand something. There are sometimes when I read the scripture, I wish I wouldn't have read that scripture. Because sometimes ignorance is bliss. <laughs> right? How many of you have ever read the scripture and say, man, I wish I didn't know that one anymore. Hmm? Now, you got, now you're stuck with it. Now it's, it's like, oh boy. You see, the bottom line is this. When you say and you read and you hear God's truth, and you fail to operate in faith, you are showing contempt for the one who wrote it. You are showing contempt for the one who's the lover of your soul. It is contempt for God. I know, we don't like that word. They had a historical context of the God who had given them so much. Supernaturally delivered from Egypt. Faith to leave Egypt. Wasn't it funny? The faith to leave Egypt wasn't enough faith to get them into the promised land. Many of us have had enough faith to get saved, but not enough faith to walk in the fullness of God. We like to live in the wilderness stage, kind of in between the two. I'm free, but I'm not in fullness. Unbelief, what does unbelief do? Interesting. Unbelief angers God. It's funny to me. Think, now watch this. We as Christians are always talking about the anger of God against that sinful world. And how angry God is with those stinking sinners and those people who don't know God. Really? That might be true. But let me tell you what his anger does for those of us who won't walk in faith. Why? Is he a petty tyrant? No. He's a loving heavenly father who has given direction to bring you to a fullness in your life, and you have a historical context of his goodness, and yet you fail to believe him for the present. How many of you ever get angry when your children won't believe you? Okay, I'll talk to Craig. So Craig, anyhow. I, I, I know, Craig, the rest of them, their kids have always believed them everything they've ever said. All right? Like, I know better. Okay, all right, let's take the kids out of the equation. How, how many of you have ever got angry at a spouse who wouldn't believe you? See, look at that. Well, we always protect the kids. Brett's, <laughs> Brett's got two hands bumped back there. I understand, understand what it does. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so my lack of faith makes God angry. It's right here in Scripture. But let me get, let me hurry up and get done. Because I want to go watch Mary Poppins tonight. 
But God says this, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I'll bring him into the land which he entered and his descendants shall take possession of it. See, he comes and he says, but, there, but there's these other two. There's Caleb. And what was it that set him apart? A different spirit inside of them. That different spirit inside of them caused them to what? Take, the, take what God said, apply faith to it, and say, we surely can go in, and we surely can take possession of it. And watch what happens. The seed of faith which Caleb is sowing today is blessing generations of tomorrow. Watch it. This is what this was. The seeds of faith sown today bless generations of tomorrow. God said what? He shall go in, and he shall take possession of of it and his descendants will take possession of it. I want my family to be blessed. I want my grandchildren to be blessed. And one of the ways I know that they will be blessed is if I sow seeds of faith today. You know why I'm blessed today? Because I had a mother who sowed seeds of faith years ago. It's just a fact. Seeds of unbelief will also impact generations to come. Do you understand? For 40 years, the unbelieving generation wandered the wilderness. For 40 years. Guess what? So did their kids. For 40 years. Wandered and wandered and wandered. Watch what happened to the men who spread the bad report. Even those men who brought about the very bad report of the land died a plague before the Lord. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, remained alive out of those who went to spy out the land. Simply put, and I'm not talking just physical death. I'm talking death of many things. Unbelief produces death. Faith produces life. How many know unbelief in a marriage will cause it to die? Unbelief in a lot of things will cause death. It just does. But faith produces life. You see, I'm getting ready to wrap up. Here's the problem. Many believers today are operating off of a limited information because, quite frankly, they don't know the Word of God. They don't read the Word of God, don't know the Word of God, don't even have a hunger for it or an appetite for it. When you live off limited information concerning God, you're going to live well short of what he's intended for you. Because what happens is you get limited information. You get sound bites, you get preaching bites. You get a lot of things that are good, but you don't have the Word of God sown into your heart on your own time with you and the Spirit of God. And if you don't know what is written, you have nothing to which you can connect your faith. You, you see, when I walk in faith, it is me connecting my spirit to God by his spirit and his word. Now, there are times when I need to walk in faith, I'm doing it because I know what his word says. I know what it promises. I'm going to stand on that word. I'm going to stand on it. But how can you stand on what you don't know? I can't stress enough to read it. God is calling you to a life of faith based upon 
a relationship with him based upon the word of God. And I, I, come on, Troy. And for, and for some, you know, let me, let me talk to you. Where, where does that begin? Well, for some this morning, it begins with simply putting your faith in Jesus as Savior of your life. It just begins with salvation. It begins with leaving the old life for the new life. It, it, it involves leaving a life without God to a life with God. It involves a leaving Egypt and stepping into the promises of God. Acknowledging sin, acknowledging him as redeemer. For others, you, you began a faith journey with God. You made Jesus Lord of your life. You knew that one day, that you needed him as Lord and Savior of your life. But you failed to walk in the fullness of what God has for you. You aren't in Egypt, but you're not in the promised land. You live free, but not full. <laughs> if God's only purpose for Israel was to live free, he would have never promised them full. We're happy if it's free, but full always demands more. You live free from the past, but never really live in the future God intended for you. Why? Well, for some, they don't know what it entails. You don't know what it entails. For some, you started and things happened. You can't, you can't wrap your minds around them. You say, if God, then this wouldn't have happened. If God, then why did this happen? You know, there's some things I've experienced in life. Faith doesn't keep you from experiencing some things in life. I wish it did. I wish it did. But I will tell you what faith will do. It'll carry you through. It'll see you through. Faith doesn't keep all the bad experiences from life. People die. People leave. People reject you. People make, this, people make bad decisions. I wish that my faith would keep my loved ones from always making the bad decisions that they make. Because you know what drives me crazy? Remember this. We've heard this, we've said this. The only thing stronger than God's will is your will. You can say no to God. He's given you that ability. You can say no. And when you say no, you will cause pain somewhere. You see, I wish my faith would have stripped my children of their free will. Can I get an amen? <laughs> and sometimes they make decisions and they've made decisions. I had a son that made decisions that wasn't good. Faith won't keep everything from happening, but it will see you through it. I promise you that. And faith doesn't keep you from all the pain of life, but it'll take you through the pains of life. For some, you had faith for outcomes and situations and circumstances that, that just didn't transpire the way you believed. You prayed. You believed. You professed. You confessed. You declared. But in the end, it didn't happen the way that you believed. And now what? Does that make God unfaithful? 
No. Did God fail you? No. It's what the devil wants you to believe. Don't succumb to that. Don't succumb to that. My faith is not in my ability to understand everything. It is in the one who knows everything. My faith is not in the perfection of this world, but rather the perfection of him. My faith is not in the perfection of this life, but in the perfection that one day will be revealed. I know what the Bible says. I see dimly right now. This dimwit sees dimly. Someday we shall see in full. We see in part right now. I wish I saw more clearly. And so what am I left with? I'm left with the Word of God, the Spirit of God inside of me, and the one who's the author of it. And it is in he who I put my faith. It is in this in which I put my faith. I'll leave you with this scripture. Hebrews chapter 11. Y'all know it well. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. For by it men of old were approved. For by it men of old were approved. Come on. You go through this scripture. By faith Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Enoch, when he was taken away so that he did not see death and was found with, found because, and not found because he was, God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. By faith, Noah built an ark. By faith, Abraham obeyed, went to a place that he did not know even existed. By faith, he dwelt in the promises, foreign country. He dwelt in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of him. He waited for a city whose foundations and architect were God. By faith, Sarah received strength to conceive a child. By faith, listen to me, it goes on and on. You know the scriptures. And by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac as his son. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. By faith, he forsook Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. By faith, Rahab did not perish. By faith, I don't, have, I don't have time, he said, to tell you about Gideon and Barak and Samson. Listen to me this morning. If you want, <laughs> I'm gonna tell you something. It is written to be used by faith. It is written to be combined with faith. It is not something that you memorize just to say, I got a scripture memorized. It is something that you read, you sow into your heart so you can stand upon it, move upon it, walk upon it, speak it, declare it. It is by faith. It is by faith. It is written. Sometimes I joke with people and I say, ah, when I get my, my fancy suits on, I'll say I'm a prosperity preacher today. Are you a prosperity? Let me tell you something. I am a faith preacher. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now listen, there's abuses in every there's abuses in everything out there that's ever been taught. I'm not here to speak about that. But don't you throw the baby out with the bathwater. Don't you throw the baby out with the bathwater. It is written. 
But the only benefit you get from what is written is when you apply it by faith. Come on, church. Let's take a faith journey. Come on, church. Let's take a faith journey. Come on, let's go on a wild ride. Listen, there are times I don't like the faith journey. I'm just telling you. There's times I don't like it. I, like, I would like to go back to predictable and safe and easy. And that faith journey ain't that. But oh my, the joy. And oh my, the fullness at the end of it. Come on. Father, this morning we come and we bring, we bring some words to you and we, we ask you to bless them and seal them in our heart. And Father, this morning we are just, we, we are just, we, we, we're just saying to you, God, make us so hungry for your words so that we can walk by faith. That it be your words sown into our heart that would cause us to walk in faith and we create faith within us. It is not written to be It's not written to be ignored. It's not written to be disengaged. It is written so that when we take the word and we hear the word that we would be ones who profit from it because we connect it to faith. Father, bless your people today. Bless them this week. Cause faith to come alive. That this week, even this week, there would be some that whatever they would face would rise up. Inside of them would rise up. Listen, devil, it is written. Therefore, I stand and move by faith in what is written. Bless your people in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Have to stand up for a moment.